Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning to those of you who are watching with us this morning. If you're watching on Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, or are engaging in our live chat room found on our church website, welcome to St. Paul Online. We are so grateful to have you. Our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage along with you this morning. But real quick, we want you to um, invite um, someone to share this experience with us. So if you're watching on Facebook, share to your personal timeline. You can also tag those whom you want to invite within the post. If you are on YouTube, subscribe to our channel and then text the link of this worship service to your personal network. And if you are in the chat room or on our church website, click on the invite button in your chat window to share this experience with others. Again, welcome, welcome, welcome to St. Paul Online. Uh, Reverend Brenda Richardson is going to come now. She is going to be our worship leader. Would you please put your hands together for Reverend Brenda Richardson. I will bless the Lord at all times. I said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually, continually be in my mouth. Stand up with me, why don't you? Stand up, stand up on your feet all over this building. How majestic is the name of our Lord. He broke us, brought us here this morning. He started us on our way. And you know what? I don't know what's going on with me right now. But I want you to get some of it. I'm so excited about the Lord this morning. We serve a God that is good. Let us worship him as though we've never worshiped him before. Amen. Let us join the choir. I told some folk earlier, you know your mask covers your mouth. But ain't nothing covering your hands. So I want you to put those glad hands together and join us in a praise of worship to a mighty, mighty, mighty God. Join the choir as they sing glory to his name.
have your seats in the presence of the Lord. You may have your seats in the presence of the Lord. And glory, glory to his name. The scripture this reading this morning will be Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. And I'll be using the NIV. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. God's word for God's people, let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this moment in time. It is hallowed, it is set aside for your glory. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that is in operation, God. We pray that you, you know that our worship is for real. And it's all about you. We praise and honor your name. Holy Spirit, come and saturate us now from the tops of our heads to the bottom of our feet. Let everything that we do, you know that it is all about you, God. We give you honor. We give you glory. We give you praise. And we stand here now in expectation that all will be well. That someone will cry, I yield, I yield. What must I do to be saved? on this day. God, we love you, we honor you, and we praise your holy and righteous name. And it is in your name of your son, Jesus, that we do pray. Can everybody join me in an amen? Amen, church. Amen, Zoom. Amen, Vimeo. Amen, Facebook. Amen.
are awake now after that, maybe feeling like your God, our God is great this morning and worthy to be praised. Come on, y'all. Put your hands together, man, and let's give God praise for how great and how awesome he is this morning. I love it. I love it. I love it. Welcome, and let me say good morning to all of you, um, and welcome to the impact moment or the chance that I get to talk to uh, our children and youth and give them a message that I believe is from God. I'm going to go ahead and put this down and get my button straight, actually, because this is going to bug me crazy if I don't. I won't be talking about my wardrobe like last Sunday, you all, but this Sunday will be a little bit different. Amen. Man, this, uh, this message is uh, another continuation, another part of our Armor of God series, guys. And as we go deeper into this series, man, we're going to see how more and more of this armor, man, it's really all about Jesus. It's really all about Jesus. There's no, there's no other way around it. And so today we're going to be talking about another very important part of this armor, and that's going to be our breastplate. It's going to be our chest protection. And so the title of this message for this morning is this, it's guard your heart. It's vital. It's vital. Our memory verse for today comes from Ephesians 6 verse 14. Again, I'll read it. Uh, read the whole thing for us. Okay, guys. And it says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And the bottom line or the main point I want us to get from today's message is this. Make sure your heart beats for Christ and his way of life. Let me preach that. Make sure your heart beats for Christ and his way of life. Earlier, uh, earlier this weekend, I took a three-hour road trip up to Blacksburg, Virginia, which is the, the home of my Virginia Tech Hokies who took down the North Carolina Tar Heels in, in football this weekend. I know, I know. A sore spot for many of you, and you may see my Virginia Tech tie here. I wore it just for you all. I wore it just for you all. Oh, man. A rough time for them indeed, but that's beside the point. That's another story. While on this road trip up to uh, Virginia Tech to see my team play, I, I felt led to call uh, one of my friends, um, a, a good brother of mine too, that I've come to know since I've become a member and your youth pastor here at St. Paul, and that's my brother Joe Grimes. And many of, you, many of you know him as one of the armor bearers for pastor. Well, that's only part, you know, part of his job in life. He's also a police officer. And as a police officer, I really wanted to pick Joe's brain about what goes into him wearing a bulletproof vest. Why do you wear a bulletproof vest as a police officer? Now, see, because when I, when I started to think about this vest, I started thinking, man, there are some similarities between a breastplate and a vest. And that's what we're talking about this week, guys, is our breastplate as a part of our armor. Now, for Joe, as we were talking about his vest, his vest is something that he puts on every day, every shift, before he goes into his line of work as a police officer. He puts on this vest. This vest protects the most important parts of his body the, or the vital parts of his body. I'm, I'm talking about the lungs, the, the stomach, the liver, and especially the heart which is what we know is to be our main source of life, guys, right, in our body. It keeps, it keeps us going. Now, another thing he told me is that when he puts on this vest, it doesn't make him invincible. 
it doesn't make him invincible. He still has to be smart about the battles that he chooses, about the fight that he picks, because he knows that this, this vest does not make him completely invincible. And then the last thing that he told me that really stuck out to me is that with this vest, although it keeps him really safe and it protects the most important parts of his body, man, can it be uncomfortable sometimes. He said this vest can be super uncomfortable to wear and it can really rub on you the wrong way. But he knows at the end of the day that if he doesn't put this vest on, the man, it, it might keep him from coming back home to his family. And that is important. So how does this vest relate to our breastplate? our breastplate that we put on in the, in the armor of God. You see, guys, our breastplate is a piece of armor that also goes around our chest area. It covers our chest and it covers our lower abdomen or our stomach area. And like the vest, it protects the vital, the most important parts of our body, the heart, the lungs, the liver. Now, and just like the vest, we'll have to put this, this armor on. We'll have to put it on every day. Every time we step into battle, the breastplate has to go on. And then it doesn't make us invincible, just like the vest does. It, we can't charge into battle without understanding the seriousness of it. And that if we put ourselves in situations that will cause this, this, this armor to be useless, then we'll be useless too. And similar to the vest, even though it keeps us safe, Guys, it can be really uncomfortable sometimes. Putting on this breastplate, if you can imagine like a soldier putting on this big piece of metal armor, man, it guards our heart, which is vital, but it can be uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, it keeps our heart beating for Jesus. Again, our main point, our bottom line, make sure your heart beats for Jesus and his way of life. Guys, when we look at this breastplate of righteousness, it's one that, that I believe, guys, points us back to Jesus. And it points us back to the way that he lived his life. You see, when I say righteousness, I like to think it's this big word that we often throw around in church. And we don't really know what it means sometimes until we look a little bit closer under the microscope. What is righteousness? What do, mean, what do we mean when we talk about that? And now righteousness, guys, is God's perfect standard for living life. Wow, that's daunting, isn't it? That's, that, that sounds like a lot. God's perfect standard for living life. And I don't know about you guys, I have not been able to live up to this perfect standard in my life at times. I have failed numerous times, and this perfect standard has seemed miles away from anything that I can accomplish. But you see, guys, there is someone that has lived that perfect example, that has been able to live this perfect life. And that's where it comes back to Jesus. Jesus is our living example of God's righteousness in the flesh. Jesus being able to live his life perfectly for God. I'm talking perfect peace, perfect patience, perfect generosity, perfect kindness, perfect everything. That's Jesus. Now, the great thing about this armor is this. We need a starting point. We can only put this armor on. We can only make this a part of our, of our full armor, our full battle gear once we believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We have to have faith in Jesus for his righteousness, his life to mean something to us. This armor will, will be completely useless if we don't have faith to activate it. Now, the reason this armor is necessary, guys, is because I believe, and I've seen in scripture, as I know that your mom and dad, and maybe you have sometimes too, Satan loves to attack our body. He loves to tempt our hearts. 
whether it's illness or bad diet or eating habits to tempt us into or things that will cause us to be tired or, or, not, or not be able to be active in our pursuit of God. He'll convince ourselves even too to follow what we want. He'll convince us to take our hearts and to go and give them to other things, to give them to, to, give them to sports, to give them to gymnastics or dance, to give them to a boyfriend or a girlfriend, to give them to drugs or alcohol, to give them to anything but Jesus. That's why this armor is so important. If we don't put back on Jesus, we'll give our heart to other things. We'll give our heart to other people. We will go down a road that is completely different from the one that God wants us to go on. And then guys too, like the vest, like we talked about, we need to put this on every day. It might as well be like the clothes that we put on before we go to school. Every morning, every day when we wake up, we need to put on Jesus. We need to put on Jesus. We need to put on the way that he lived his life. Amen? We need to put it on. We need to put on kindness, we need to put on goodness, we need to put on his gentleness, his faithfulness, his obedience to God, because without Jesus, man, we will be so, so, so forceful to go our own way, guys. We will go a way that God doesn't want us to go, especially when we are so programmed to sin and to be imperfect. We need to replace it with Christ. And then the last thing, guys, too, and this is important, it doesn't make us invincible. This armor does not make us invincible. It doesn't mean that we can purposefully put ourselves in in the company of other people, in the company of friends, of maybe acquaintances that we go to school with that are in our lives that will lead us down a path that we don't need to go on. If we put ourselves in the company of people, how many of you are familiar with the fact that being around bad company, that can corrupt good character? If we put ourselves around people that will cause us not to live this life for Jesus, man, it will make this armor useless and it will make it useless in a hurry. But we also need to make sure we don't put ourselves in situations too that will lead us astray. We can't go towards sin. We can't go to sin picking a fight. Guys, sin is scary. The devil can be scary sometimes. But with God on our side, we know that we can win this thing, but we can't go seeking the fight. We can't go seeking the fight in sin. We need to be ready. We need to stand firm and we need to stand our ground. And when that fight comes to us, we can take it because we know that God is on our side. And God, I leave you you guys with this. The ultimate goal of God is this, guys, with this armor and with everything that we do in our life. It's to make us more like Jesus. He wants, he wants his love to transform us, to have us be so on fire, so passionate, so ready for Jesus in our life. Guys, I want Jesus to be on fire in your life, to be so seen by friends in your school, by the people that are around you, by your family members that may not even know that you believe in Jesus Christ. I want your life to be so on fire for him that your armor shines and it shines for Jesus Christ. I want that for you. That's my prayer for you as we continue in this series. Guys, let your armor shine for Jesus because at the end of the day, man, when we get to heaven and when we face God, guys, because of Jesus, he won't see our sin. He won't see our imperfections. He'll see Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's close in prayer, shall we? Dear Lord, thank you so, so much for the gift of your son, Jesus. 
Thank you so much, God, for giving us him and for setting before us, God, an example of how we should live our lives. God, I pray that as we fight this battle of sin and temptation in our life, man, God, help us to put on this breastplate of righteousness that we've talked about today. Help us to put on, God, Jesus's way of life. Let our heart beat for your son because we know that his life, God, is one that we should follow. His love is one that should be on our hearts. God, keep our hearts beating for Jesus this week as we go into our schools, as we go into our respective homes. God, as we are around our family and our friends, God, let our hearts beat for you. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, guys. Everybody, let's give God some praise for our youth pastor. Was that not a wonderful, wonderful message? You know, I know that um, Reverend Peyton, he is talking to the kids, but a lot of us needed to hear that word. Amen. We ought to give God some praise in here. Come on, you can do better than that. God has been way, way too good to us, and we ought to thank him, and we ought to make sure that wherever we go, that we are wearing our armor. Amen. That was a good word. Thank you so much, Reverend P. Amen. Good morning again to each and every one of you, and especially to those of you who are watching on the, on the World Wide Web. And I want to say hey to those who are watching. I see you. I see you out there. Come on. I see you. Come on. Put your hands together for them. And um, we're grateful that you are watching with us this morning. But we are wondering, who are you watching with? As you are engaging with us in worship today, let us know. Um, exactly who you are sharing this experience with. If you share with friends using Zoom or another video chat too, let us know that as well. Then take a quick selfie uh, where you are watching in front of the screen and post it on any of your social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and use the hashtag, hashtag St. Paul Online or St. Paul Baptist, North Carolina. Share those pictures now. Uh, right after worship so that we can know exactly who all were sharing with us this morning. And if this is your first time engaging with us during St. Paul Online, post the first time. And um, also share first time visitors link to either join us in a private Facebook group or to fill out a form so that we can share with you on our digital welcome platform. Amen. Let's give God some praise for that. We're just so excited. Um, for each and every person who is sharing with us this morning. But I have a few um, observations that I want to share with you real quick. Um, first of all, I want to talk about the Lock Carry Haiti appeal. Um, the total Haiti relief contributions received so far through August 29th is $6,237. Oh, that's, a, that's good right there, isn't it? Come on, you can do a whole lot better than that. You know what that means? That means that we are 63% of our $10,000 goal. We are on our way, aren't we? Oh, come on, we're on our way. And, um, and you know that um, our brothers and sisters who are over there in Haiti, they really need our assistance. And um, we will continue to receive that money. And we will send it um, through the Lock Carry as soon as we can. Amen. 
I want to say welcome to the Mecklenburg County Detention Center as a part of a social justice ministry effort to provide resources for our incarcerated siblings. We have established a partnership that will allow us to audio broadcast our Sunday morning service for the citizens currently housed at the Mecklenburg County Detention Center. This service will be broadcast to an estimate of 1,500 individuals, with many of them, and I want you to really hear this, many of them will eventually come home for a fresh start, and if you, if you really, really, come on, I see you clapping your hands, if you really, really think about it, some of them may come and join us. So we want to welcome them and let them know that they can be a part of the St. Paul family. I want to let you know that the church office will be closed tomorrow for Labor Day. In celebration of the Labor Day holiday, we'll be closed and we will reopen on Tuesday morning at um, 9 o'clock a.m. That is Tuesday, September the 7th at 9 o'clock a.m. Um, I also want you to know about the Quick 15 on Wednesday night at... Um, we look forward to hosting the call this week. As a reminder, we would like to encourage you to start connecting to this call around 8 o'clock. Um, the actual call will begin at 8.15, but we want you to start connecting at 8 o'clock. And if you can dial in, why not three-way call a friend who is not able to connect? That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? We want um, everybody to share in this quick 15 minutes. The CEO class, Saturday, September the 11th, Pastor Scott looks forward to starting a new session of CEO. That's our Christian Education Orientation class. This is a required course for all who desire to become full disciples of the St. Paul Church. You can register today online via our church website or call to the church office to enroll with Deacon Marilyn White. It starts on Saturday, September the 11th at 10 o'clock a.m. and will continue for about five sessions until October the 9th or 16th. That's a wonderful thing. We welcome all of our new disciples. The TNT Online um, class returns Thursday, September the 16th. 2021 Thursday noon and Thursday night teaching returns um, Pastor Scott is preparing to bring us a study series on the book of James you can join this study online via Facebook YouTube Vimeo or our church website or through our phone line streaming number that's a wonderful thing we all want to continue our study um, I also want to let you know that Pastor's birthday is going to be Thursday, September 23rd. On Thursday, September 23rd, we are going to celebrate our pastor. Amen. If you would like to share a card or a gift, please bring um, that gift or card to the church on Sunday, September the 19th, and or Sunday, September 26, 2021. Um, I don't know about you, but I love birthdays. I do, I do, I do. Y'all like birthdays too? Oh, amen. Well, we have a wonderful, wonderful pastor here, and we want him to know how much we appreciate him. So please remember to bring those gifts. I also want to um, share with you that on the last weekend of the month, we will celebrate our annual men's weekend. The men of valor will host a virtual prayer breakfast on Saturday morning, September 25th. And then on Sunday morning, we will celebrate annual Men's Day worship service at 10 a.m., uh, where you can join us in person or virtually. 
The theme for this year is lean on God and go forward. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Lean on God and go forward. Our guest preacher for both the prayer breakfast and Sunday morning worship is Bishop John E. Guns, the senior pastor of the St. Paul Baptist Church of Jacksonville, um, and the new appointed dean of the Samuel D. Witt Proctor School of Theology at Virginia Union University in Richmond, Virginia. That's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful celebration that's going to be held that weekend. Um, I also want to let you know that Kaya returns on Wednesday, September 29th. Um, Kaya Charlotte returns. Join us on the conversation for this month's Kaya Charlotte experience. It will be held Wednesday, September 29th at 7 o'clock p.m. as we present an engaging panel discussion called Sister to Sister, an intergenerational conversation. It will be hosted by Sister Ashley Jones, Rosia, Rosia, um, she got married. I, that's how I'm pronouncing it right. Rosia. All right, um, Sister Ashley. Um, mark your calendar and join in on the conversation on Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, phone line stream, or our church website. That is some good news, and I believe that's going to be a great conversation. Um, I also want to let you know that Pastor's Appreciation Sunday will be held on October the 24th. Um, we will celebrate Reverend Dr. Robert C. Scott's fifth year serving as our senior pastor. That's some good news, isn't it? Oh, we ought to put our hands together for that. On that Sunday, our guest preacher will be the Reverend Dr. Stephen Blunt, the senior pastor of the First Baptist Church, um, Mayan Street in Salford, Virginia. That's some good news. We are looking forward to that. And then I want to quickly tell you that Thankful Thursday is going to be held in November. We're excited to announce Thankful Thursday worship services leading up to the Thanksgiving Thursday. On November 4th, our guest preacher will be Bishop Joseph Walker III, the senior pastor of Mount Zion Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee. November 11th, our guest preacher will be Reverend Dr. Willie Francois, the senior pastor of the Mount Zion Baptist Church of Pleasantville, New Jersey. And on November 18th, our guest preacher will be Reverend Dr. Leslie Callahan, the senior pastor of St. Paul's Baptist Church in Philadelphia, Virginia, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, excuse me. Each service will start at 7 o'clock p.m. You can join in person, online, phone line, stream, or through our Zoom virtual congregation. We will, of course, be sharing more information about those wonderful services. But I also want to let you know that the media ministry needs you. We're looking for, looking for people who are interested in working with the media ministry on Sunday mornings and our special worship services. We're currently looking for people who are interested in operating our cameras and our worship service graphics, as well as serving as the technical director. If you're interested, please call Camise Noel or contact Camise Noel at camise.noel at yahoo.com. Um, next, Board of Directors applications. We have opened our application process for the two vacant positions on our church board. We're seeking individuals who have been, number one, a full member of the St. Paul Church for at least three years. Uh, number two, those who are actively and consistently involved in a teaching ministry. And number three, individuals who are consistent tithers. We're also hoping that those who have a specialized knowledge or experience in a relevant field that 
that they will be of direct benefit to our board and we want you to also apply. We sent out an email with the link to register on the church website last Sunday and we'll send one out again today. Or you can go to the church website and um, in the Help Wanted section under the Resources tab, you will see that information. In-person worship at St. Paul. We ask that everyone who desires to attend um, our worship on Sunday mornings that you register online. Registration is now open for next Sunday. If you have your phones open while viewing us on TV or your computer, you can scan the QR code showing on the screen. You can also click on the link that our digital ministers are sharing in the chat box right now. When you register online, you will be asked to complete a pre-screening health questionnaire. Um, if we have visitors who do not register in advance, we will require that they register on site. We want to be able to provide necessary contact tracing if it becomes necessary. That's why it is so very important that we all register when we desire to come to any of our worship services. We are strongly, strongly, strongly recommending that all of us get vaccinated. Amen? Amen. That's, a good, that's some good news right there. I just, I want all my family, all my friends to be vaccinated. Don't you? I mean, it's going to help us. It's going to help them. And so I just want us to make sure that we do the right thing. Amen. Why don't you put your hands together for all of our community concerns and announcements. But it is now time for prayer. And brothers and sisters, we want to um, let you know that we have some concerns. Um, some of our family members are grieving at this time. Um, we want to pray for the family of Brother Charles Clinkscales. He is, he is the father of Brother Jerry Clinkscales. And um, his wife also, um, Tanya, we want you to keep them in your prayers. That service is pending, but um, they are our family members. And when one part of our body hurts, we all hurt. So we want to keep them in our prayers. We also want to keep the family of Reverend Siobhan McElwain um, in our prayers. Um, her mother, um, who is a disciple here, Sister Tina McElwain, and her children, her daughter Asia Patterson, and um, her sister uh, Karina. Um, her service was held here yesterday. It was a wonderful, beautiful um, worship experience. And um, some of you may have been here or you watched us online. It was a wonderful worship service, but that family is definitely going to need our prayers today and in the days to come. Amen. Amen. We also want to keep in our prayers the family of Brother James McGrant. He is the brother of Sister Denise McGrant. His service was held this past Thursday. Um, we also want to keep the family of Brother Jerome Beecham. He is the brother of Brother Sandy Beecham and his beautiful wife, Sister Rosa Beecham. His service was also held on Thursday. Keep that family in your prayers. Also the family of Brother James Bailey, the brother-in-law of Sister Saretha Bird and her husband, Brother Felix Bird. His service was held this past Wednesday. Keep that family in your prayers. 
And then also keep in your prayers the family of infant royal legend Blackwell, the grandson of Sister Linda Alexander. Keep all of those individuals in your prayers. But we also have some individuals who are in the hospital. Um, they have experienced serious surgery and um, or they're just in the hospital for special illnesses. Um, Brother Nathan Davis and his wife, Sister Betty Davis, keep them in your prayers. Reverend Dr. Paul Drummond, Sister Thomasina Drummond, um, also McQueen Marshall and Anthony Farr and Sister Cora Stitt. We need to keep all of those individuals in our prayers because we do know that God is a healer. Do you believe that? Amen. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. And our dear sister, um, Reverend Brenda Richardson, is going to come now, and she is going to pray our intercessory prayer. Would you receive her at this time? Let us pray, family. God, you are our hiding place. You are our refuge in a time of trouble. So God, we come boldly to you because we know that you care for us and you love us. We honor and glorify your holy and righteous name. We put no name before you, God. So God, now listen to the prayers that we have, God. Lord, we accept and acknowledge that we haven't gotten it all right today. We haven't gotten it all right this week, God. So we right now we pray but that you would forgive us of our sin, of, of omission and commission. God, anything that we have done that is not pleasing in your sight, anything that would keep you from hearing us, God, we pray right now that you would forgive us, God. We thank you, God, for all that you are doing in our lives, God. You are an awesome and wonderful God. So, God, now you've heard the concerns. God, we come to you humbly and we ask that you would go into those homes, into those sick rooms, God, and heal, God. We pray that you would heal those broken hearts that are missing their loved ones, God. We pray that you would go there today, tomorrow, and next week, God. And we pray that when things get bad, that we won't call somebody else, God. That we will get on our knees and we will call on the name of the Lord. We will call on your name, God, because you are the only one that can help us in a time of trouble. So, God, we pray for our pastor emeritus. God, we bless him in a mighty, mighty way. We pray that you would just bless him and his wife, God. Lift them up high. God, we thank you for all that you're doing in their lives, God. Continue to bless them mightily. God, you've heard our concerns. You know our faithful plea. God, you've heard the list and you see it scrolling on the scroll, God. But you know who they are. Yes. You know what to do for them better than I know how to ask. But God, I just say, Lord, let it be done. Let your will be done in their lives, God. And Lord, there's so much other things, so many things going on in our lives, God. I pray for those that are feeling isolated that are feeling separated, God, bring them closer together. Let them know that when they can't call on anybody else, they can count on you. God, you are an awesome God. You can take us from the sick room to healing. God, you can take us from being sad to happy. So God, we want you to do all that you know that you can do. Holy Spirit, go to these homes. Touch them in a mighty, mighty way. God, we love you. We honor your name, God. If anything that I failed to remember to say, God, you know it. 
better than I can remember it, God, so get it done. Yes. <laughs> get it done, Lord. We thank you, God. You are an awesome God. We thank you, God, that we can even call on your name. We're not even worthy, but even though we're not worthy, you hear us anyway. So, God, thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing in the lives of those that are our family. They're our family, church. So we're praying for you. We let you know that we are praying for you. Your situation, we're concerned about it. And we're praying for you. It is in your name, in the name of the mighty and matchless Jesus Christ that I do pray. Can you join me in an amen? amen. I said, can you join me in an amen? amen. Can you join amen. me in an amen? What a powerful, powerful prayer that was. Thank you so much, Reverend Richardson, for that powerful prayer. One of the things that we do know is that prayer works. Amen. Prayer works. Prayer works. And it's so important. It's so important that when we think about it, get down on your knees. Talk to God because he wants to hear from us. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise one more time. For brothers and sisters, it's giving time. It's giving time. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Oh, those of you who are watching with us, it's giving time. Oh, yes, this is the time within our worship experience where we give back to God that which he has blessed us with. And all of us can stand and talk about just how good God has been to us. When you think about it, when you think about it, God keeps food on our tables, clothes on our backs. He keeps us going to our jobs each and every day. You know what? This is the time that we give back to God. And we say, thank you. We hear your word. You told us in your word, bring you all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Prove me, test me, and show that I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings you'll not have room enough to receive. I don't know about you, but I get excited when it's giving time. Amen. Amen. I get excited when it's giving time. I want you to know that there are three ways of giving here at the St. Paul Church. Um, you can use your offering envelope. You can drop it off here at the church. Our church office is closed for public access, but we do hold limited office hours for those who desire to come and drop off your tithes and your offerings. Um, although the safest way to handle your envelopes is through the postal service. Amen. But you are welcome to come here um, when we are open. Just call us to find out if we're here. But the second way is to just mail in your offering envelope. You can mail in your tithes and offerings to our church office. Address of St. Paul Baptist Church is 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. Or, brothers and sisters, you can give through ACS, St. Paul Baptist Church. Um, go there to find the link to process your contribution through the Access ACS Church Management System. Or you can give through Givelify. Oh, the, the digital ministers will drop a link um, for Givelify to um, help you to give on that platform as well. Amen. If you have your offerings ready, why don't you hold them up to God? You can even hold that up, that envelope, hold up that phone. Let's go to God, Father. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we come before you. We lift up our offering to you. We lift up this offering, oh God, in faith, knowing, oh God, that you are the kind of God that when we give, 
God, you'll give back to us some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. But God, we're not even worried about you giving back to us because you've already given to us. God, thank you for waking us up. Thank you for beds to sleep in each and every day. Thank you, oh God, for a roof over our heads. God, thank you for the jobs that we go to each and every day. God, you've already done enough for us. We are so grateful, God. We are so, so grateful to you. We're grateful to you, oh God. And we are thankful for what you are doing in our lives. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. If you are here and you have that offering that you have lifted up, we want you to take that offering and put it in the basket in front of you. Amen. Amen. You can give that way. Amen. And those um, from within the finance ministry, they will come through and they will pick up those baskets. To God we give the glory. To God we give the glory. Amen. Amen. We will continue in our worship as you give.
the name of Jesus. Jesus. There's something about the name of Jesus. Jesus. It gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. Jesus. Thank you for keeping our bodies healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for food on our tables. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we come before you. And God, we come saying thank you. Thank you, Father, for just being a good God to us. Thank you, Father, for food on our tables and clothes on our backs. God, we say thank you. Thank you, oh God, for being with us all night long. God, keeping us, keeping us from hurt, harm, and danger. Father, we say thank you. Thank you, oh Lord. Oh God, if it had not been for you on our side, some of us would confess that we don't know where we will be. God, thank you for being in the hospital room and thank you, oh God, for being there when the surgeon came in and he began to cut on us. Oh God, thank you for being there. Thank you, oh God, for just who you are. Thank you, oh God, for being a mighty God, a mighty God to us. Thank you, oh God, we sense you in the building. You are moving up and down every aisle. You're even there with those who are watching us. They're watching us on Facebook and Vimeo. God, you are right there. God, thank you for being in their rooms. And thank you, God, for just being here. Thank you for your power. Thank you, oh God, for just being the kind of God that just stops by. Oh, just stops by to see about us. God, we say thank you for that. Thank you for being a good God to us. Now, God, it's preaching time, and your preacher needs to sit down. But, God, you need to stand up. You stand up in me. Allow the words to come out of my mouth to be your words. God, speak through us with power and anointing. God, don't allow me to get any type of praise out of this moment. God, because it ain't about me. It's all about you. God, thank you. Thank you, God. Your word is going to go forward. It will accomplish that which you please. It will prosper where you have sent it. God, I say thank you for that. Thank you, oh God, that people will leave here blessed. They will leave here in a different way. God, we all will leave here in a different way. We honor you. We thank you for this blessed moment. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, put those glad hands together. Come on, put those glad hands together. God is going to do something in here. Um, before I get started, I want to thank the 6th District Omega Sci-Fi Frat for a gift of $500.
Um, this $500 will go to our youth department. I'm going to give to Reverend Brenda Richardson. She will make sure that they get it in the finance office. And also, I want to say to those who have Sunday school books that Reginald Ross will be standing in the vestibule after this service to give you your Sunday school book. Our word today is found in the Gospel of St. John. The 13th chapter. My sermon will come from all of those verses there, from verses 1 through 17. However, for the brevity of time, I will only read the first seven verses to kind of set the platform of where we're going today. That first verse says it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil, y'all know the devil, had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, <laughs> drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Oh, help me, Lord. <laughs> you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. I love this text. This is a wonderful text. When you get home, I want you to read all of those verses from verse 1 down through 17. It's a wonderful, wonderful verse. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. I want to talk very briefly this morning from this thought, empowered to serve. Empowered to serve. This particular story that is found here in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, is one of the most memorable incidents in the Bible. It was the night before Jesus' betrayal and crucifixion. No doubt, it was an intense time in Jesus' life. His public ministry had ended, and he now turns his full attention to the disciples. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to imagine something with me this moment. This moment, in that culture, the most demeaning task around was to wash the guest's feet. This was usually a job done by the lowest of slaves. But it was a necessary task at this particular time because the people wore sandals and they did most of their travel by foot. 
They traveled and walked along trails that were not only dusty, but these trails were also cluttered with camel and donkey waste. Because of this, I'm sure that the guests arrived with more than dust on their feet. Because they may have, <laughs> it was a common courtesy for the host to have his slave to wash the guest's feet as they entered the house. Jesus had sent Peter and John to prepare for their meal together. Now look at here, the food had been cooked, the table had been set, and I'm sure the disciples thought that this matter of who is going to wash feet would have been taken care of as well. But brothers and sisters, it wasn't. As Jesus and the disciples enter the room, they see a towel and they see a water basin in the corner, but they don't see a slave to wash their feet. Perhaps some of them pause as they enter the room and I can imagine they were looking at one another wondering, now where is a servant that's supposed to wash our feet? I can imagine they paused, maybe wondering why Peter and John had not taken care of this most important detail. As they recline at the table, each disciple is probably feeling a little uncomfortable. And as they begin to talk amongst themselves, they were probably wondering why didn't one of you take care of this most important detail? My sanctified imagination has me seeing these disciples talking and they were probably wondering if somebody is going to at least wash the feet of Jesus. You see, not, not my feet. At least wash the feet of the master. They must have wondered. But I can imagine they were thinking just like some of us, this is not my job. <laughs> I'm not going to wash feet. You see, if I wash feet, <laughs> then where would that put me on the social pecking order? You see, if I get up and wash Jesus' feet, then that would place me at the bottom of the heap. If I volunteer, I'll get stuck with that job from now on. I'm not going to be the one washing feet. Come on here. Some of them were probably saying to themselves, wait. You know, I'm just wait here a minute. Maybe somebody else will do it. <laughs> Maybe Matthew will do it. <laughs> Maybe somebody else will take care of this most important detail. And you know what? If you've been in church more than a week, you know that that kind of thinking does occur sometimes. Oh, come on. Come on. Say, that's not my job. Maybe somebody else will do it. Somebody needs to make sure that the trash is taken out of the church. But that's not my ministry. Somebody needs to clean those bathrooms. Who dropped the ball on that? I think maybe each disciple was hoping one of the others would volunteer. Each one may have begun to justify in his own mind why it was not his job to do. I did it the last time. It's Matthew's turn. He hasn't done it in a while. Peter and John were supposed to take care of this. Jesus told them to do it. One of those guys ought to take care of it. I came to enjoy a time with the Lord, and now we got this problem. John is probably thinking, look, I'm over here leaning next to Jesus. I'm in spiritual intimacy with him. 
<laughs> Jesus don't want me to leave and help do this menial task. Peter is thinking, don't these guys know the call of God on my life? Don't they see the leadership gifting in me? I just wish they would remember that I'm the one who answered Jesus' question, who do men say that I am? Don't they know that I got the revelation that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and I'm moving in the spirit, and I don't want you to disturb that? Don't you remember the prophecy Jesus gave me at that time? He said, I wish these people would pay attention to what God is doing in my life. If they had, they would be over here right now, not just washing my feet, but they would wash Jesus' feet as well. Now listen, we don't know all the specifics. I am kind of taking a little liberty with this text this morning, but we do know this. We know that nobody rose to the occasion. Nobody got up. Nobody got up and said, I'll take care of this situation today. Nobody got up. And so I want you to consider three things with me this morning. Now be out of your way. I want you to consider what Jesus did, what Jesus knew, and what Jesus taught. What Jesus did, what Jesus knew, and what Jesus taught. Number one, what Jesus did, verses four and five says, he got up. <laughs> he got up. He took off his outer garment and he wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water in the basin. And the Bible says that he began to wash his disciples' feet. Oh, help me, Lord. I think maybe a few jaws begin to drop around the room because Jesus got up. Jesus got up. You see, if you won't get up, it's all right because Jesus got up. But you know what I love about this? Rather than begin with a lecture, Jesus gave them an example. <laughs> Sometimes you don't need to talk about it. You just need to do something about it. He didn't talk about him. He didn't tell him you should be getting up. He did not do that. He got up himself. So rather than begin with the lecture, Jesus gave them an example. There was a need. Everybody saw the need. It's not hard to see what was wrong. I suspect all the disciples knew something was wrong. But Jesus is the only one who did something about it. Jesus met the need. He took the appropriate action. Look at the action words in verses 4 and 5. The words say he got up from the meal. But I want you to understand this. In other words, he left his comfort zone. <laughs> he made his body do something it may have not wanted to do. He got up. He left his comfort zone. My alarm went off at 6 o'clock this morning. I didn't want to get up. Hey, some of y'all didn't want to get up. <laughs> it's six o'clock in the morning. But you know what? My body did not want to get up. But after a lengthy discussion with my head, it got up. It got up because in my head, my head was saying, you've got work to do. Get up out of this bed. Get up out of this bed because you've got work to do. Huh. So I got up. And the Bible says that he got 
two, he took off his outer clothing. You see, to serve others, we usually must lay something aside. Most of us live with a full plate of activity. You see, if I'm going to add a service for somebody else, I usually have to subtract something I would like to do just for me. Every servant has to deny himself something to have the time and energy to give to somebody else. And the Bible says that he wrapped the towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin. Oh, you know what I love? He made preparations to meet the need. When I was in seminary, before I went into full-time ministry, I would spend my evenings studying the Word of God. I would spend my evenings writing papers. There were other things I could have been doing. Some of them would have been fun. I wanted to go to the movies as well. I wanted to hang out with my friends. But you know what? I felt the call of God on my life. <laughs> and I knew I needed equipping for that call. So I studied and I prepared during my free time. When God launched me into full-time ministry, I was then ready to share what I had learned. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, there are preparations that we need to make before we begin to do the work. Oh, does anybody know there are preparations that need to be made? After he did that, the Bible says he began. I like that. At some point, we have to begin. We can think about it. We can pray about it. We can prepare for it. But at some point, we must start doing it. Help me, Jesus. You ought to look at somebody and say, start doing it. Just do it. Just do it at some point. We must start doing it. At some point, we have to start. Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and he dried them with a towel. Just a comment about Peter's response to all of this is this. Poor Peter thought he had a better idea than Jesus. Jesus wants to wash his feet. Peter at first doesn't want him to do it. Then, after Jesus said that he has to do it, if you don't do it, allow me to do it, you'll have no part from me. Then Peter said, I want a full bath. Don't wash just my feet. <laughs> it took Peter a while to learn that none of us have a better idea than Jesus. The best thing we can possibly do is to simply hear him and obey him. But Peter eventually learned to simply obey the Lord uh, rather than offer a better idea. That's something we all have to learn. But I notice, I want you to notice how John describes Jesus' behavior at the end of verse 1. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed the full extent of his love. In this interaction with Peter and the others, Jesus was expressing his love for them. Hallelujah. He was taking time to prepare them for what was ahead. Oh, help me, Jesus. Oh, I love the preparation phase because Jesus already knows what's going to happen ahead of us. Then on the cross, he offered the ultimate expression of his love for all of us. John 15 and 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Brothers and sisters, that's what Jesus has done for me and you. I don't know what you think about this, but that was the ultimate of love. He laid down his life for me and for you. 
But you know what? I found something else in this text that is very powerful. Number two, what Jesus knew as he served the disciples in this situation. The apostle John could have told us this story without his comments about this in the text, but John was profoundly impressed by these facts. For me, these are the most touching truths of the story. Here is a revelation of Jesus and the heart of the Father. Verse one, John, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He knew that. He knew he was rapidly approaching the most important moments of his life. He knew that the pain and agony of the cross was imminent. But here is the question. If you knew that you would die a terrible death tomorrow, what would be your focus? What would you be focused on? What would be your point of interest? You see, Jesus wasn't focusing on himself. He was not focusing on what he was getting ready to go through. He was focused on somebody else. John is wanting us to see something about Jesus, fully God and fully man. Here is Jesus facing something we can't even imagine. He is not saying to the disciples, don't you care about what I'm facing? He is not focused on himself. He is concerned that they be prepared for what is about to happen. Jesus is focused on others. We see that in Jesus throughout this ordeal. At his arrest, his concern was that the disciples be let go. When on the cross, he is concerned about his mother's future. There in his last hours, he ministers to the thief on the cross. Under maximum pressure, he remains totally unselfish and loving towards others. John is saying to you and me, think about it. He knew what was coming. Hallelujah. That's what I love about him. He knew what was coming, but he didn't concern himself with himself. He didn't get upset. He did not deal with what was going to happen to him. He was concerned about other people. And I need to ask us, when are we going to be concerned about other people? When are we going to stop thinking about ourselves and be concerned about somebody else? There in his last hour, he ministered to the thief on the cross. Under maximum pressure, he remains totally unselfish and, and totally loving toward his own. But verse number three says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. He knew who he was. That's what I love about this text. Jesus knew who he was. With all that in his mind, the Bible says, oh my God, he knew who he was. He knew what God had called him to do. But he does something. He does something that really blows my mind. The Bible says that he bowed before his disciples and he washed their feet. He knew that he was getting ready to go to a mean cross. He knew that he was going to be stabbed in the back. He knew it. But that didn't change his mind. He still said, you know what? I'm still going to serve you. He said, I'm still going to wash your feet. If you can't wash other people's feet, I'm going to wash your feet. Hallelujah. Uh, with all that in his mind, it did not gender any pride within Jesus. How he could not gender any arrogance in his heart. Have you ever seen a person or been a person who was pretty humble 
until a little recognition and prestige came along. How much honor can a person handle without becoming self-conceited? Jesus knew that all authority in heaven and earth was his from the Father. Yet in his heart, it was not lifted up in pride. He bowed before others and served. Perhaps it was because he knew who he was. <laughs> you know, that's what I love about this text. Maybe Jesus did this because he knew who he was. Perhaps it was because he knew that he was secure in his own identity, that he could bow to the lowest point of service. You see, it's not great men who will not serve others. It is insecure men who will not serve others. Oh, help me, Jesus. I need to say that one more time. I need to say that one more time. It is not, it is not secure men who will not serve others. It's insecure men who will not serve others. The ones who think that washing feet defines them as something less than others. That person will not serve in lowly tasks because he sees it as a challenge to his identity. Uh, must I have a title or be, oh, must I have a title to be who I am? Must I be the president? Must I be the chairman? Must I be the top dog in the organization in order to serve somebody else? Oh my God, must I have the title to minister to somebody? The Lord says, you are what I made you, regardless of title or position. Oh, come on, a whole bunch of people, they won't do the things that they should do within the church because of their title. But what if God took your title? What if things begin to turn around in your life and you are the one that has to be served? It doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter who you think you are. All of us have got to be servants. All of us have got to be servants. I don't care how high you think you are. God has a way of bringing you down to your knees. God said it ain't about you. When you stop thinking it's about you, then you will begin to serve. Woo. I know this is the Lord talking. Hey, God wants us to stop worrying about who's in charge. God wants us to stop thinking about who's the president, who's the leader. God said all of us have a job to do. All of us. All of us. All of us. Look at somebody and say all of us. All of us. I don't care who you are. We all ought to be servants. All of us. All of us. Woo. I don't need a title in order to be who I am. I don't need to be the president in order to be who I am. I know who I am.
betray him. He knew who he was, but he also knew who was going to betray him. There is G Judas, full of deceit, full of hypocrisy, about to stab Jesus in the back. Jesus discerns it. Jesus knows it. Can I, can I really get you to paint that picture for you? Jesus knew it. He knew it. He knew what was in his heart. But what does Jesus do with that information? What does he do with the information? That this man is getting ready to stab him in the back. Hey, what would you do at that moment? See, oh, don't make me, don't make me talk about what we would do. Y'all know what you would do. You know what you would do. I know what I would do. But I want you to know what Jesus did. Jesus does not distance himself from Judas. Jesus is not point his finger at Judas and say to him, how dare you after all I've done for you. But the Bible said instead, he loves Judas to the end. He does everything possible to bring Judas to repentance. The Bible says that he even washes Judas' feet with the same tenderness and the same affection that he gave to the other disciples. Maybe that will soften Judas' heart. Hey, maybe that's what he was thinking, but it doesn't. Jesus comments on the pending betrayal, saying all are not clean in verse 10. Another opportunity for Judas to repent. But instead of repenting, Judas hardened his heart even the more. In the latter part of the chapter, he says it more plainly. In verse 26 of the same chapter, the Bible says that Jesus dipped the bread in the dish and gave it to Judas and exposed him as the traitor. That was Judas's final opportunity for repentance. Opportunity after opportunity had been declined as soon as Judas made that final decision. The Bible says that Satan entered into him and Judas left to do his evil deed. What I'm trying to get you to see is that Jesus knew his betrayer. Jesus knew that Judas was a betrayer. And we learn something about Jesus in all of this. We learn something about how he would have us deal with those who betray us. Oh, help me in this place. Jesus want us to be just like him. Oh, help me, God. I know that we've got a lot of betrayers. We've got a lot of people that stab us in the back. We have a lot of people who do us wrong. But I came here because I want to help somebody to see that we can't then turn around and stab them right back. We got to do it the way Jesus did it. The Bible says that at that moment, there was no anger, no bitterness, only sorrow for the awful decision that Judas made. Oh, and the terrible consequences that would follow him. Oh my God, the Bible says that Jesus got down on his knees and he began to wash his betrayer's feet. But my question to you is this, can you wash the feet of your enemies? Did you hear what I said? Can you wash the feet of your enemies? 
Will you serve the person though you know that he or she will not return the same kind of kindness? Jesus knew what Judas was going to do. You know your enemies. You know your betrayers. What are you going to do? The Bible says that Jesus got down on his knees and he washed the feet of his betrayer. But finally this morning, oh, in verses 12 through 17, we see the last thing. We see what Jesus taught. Oh, somebody say what Jesus taught. He begins with the question, do you understand what I have done for you? Has the significance of all of this soaked in? You see, it goes way beyond just getting your feet washed. It goes way beyond just getting your need met. Jesus comes into our lives. He loves us. He receives us. He meets our needs. And sometimes people think that that is all that this is about. Getting my need met. Getting my feet washed. No, I came to tell you this morning that it's not about that. It's about a personal transformation of character and thinking. It's about becoming something. It's about becoming a servant just like Jesus. In verse 15, Jesus says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Freely you have received, freely give. If my experience in God is only about me, if it's only about me getting my needs met, I've missed something along the way. If church is just about me getting what I want, I've missed something. The greatest human tragedy is for a person to never receive Christ and never receive his mercy. Oh, anybody hear me? Hey, that's the greatest tragedy. That's the greatest tragedy that you never receive Christ. But the second greatest tragedy is that a person would experience Christ, experience his love, experience his grace, but never translate that into service towards somebody else. Oh, I said that's the greatest tragedy. That's the second greatest tragedy. There are depths of God only found in the process of service to others. It's paradoxical, I think, my sisters and brothers. The natural mind can't reason it out, but it is truly more blessed to give than it is to receive. You see, he who loses his life in service to others is the one who ultimately finds his fulfillment. In verse 14, Jesus directly and specifically tells the disciples what the point of his actions are. He says, now that I, your Lord, your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should now wash one another's feet. The lesson, my brothers and sisters, is that he wants us to learn is to wash one another's feet. What does it mean to wash the feet of others? It means you humble yourselves. You get down where the need is and you do something about it. You see, in our culture, the need is not to wash feet as it was in Bible times. But there, my brothers and my sisters, are many more needs all around us. There are many needs that are going on right outside. 
will be blessed if you do them. You will be blessed if you do them. Was it really necessary for Jesus to say what he said in verse 13? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a whole lot easier to talk about service, to think about service, to fantasize about great service, hear sermons about service, than to actually do service for others. But the blessing, the joy, the happiness is not found in talking about it or hearing about it. It is found in actually doing it. Did you hear what I said? The blessing is in actually doing it. We don't want to just talk about it. We ought to be about it. That's what I came to say this morning. We've been doing too much talking. And now the Lord says it's time to do something about it. There's so many needs all around this church. There's so many needs all around this city, all around our country. You see what's going on in Washington, in New York, down in Louisiana. There are needs all around us. There are needs all around us. And what God is saying, we need to do something about it. Anybody hear me? Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Come on and stand to your feet. Come on and stand to your feet. It's time for us to do something about it. It's time for us to stop talking about it. We need to do something about it. Anybody hear me? Anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? This is not one of those shouting rah-rah kind of sermons. This is one of those sermons that I pray has pricked your heart, has caused you to look inward, see yourself, ask yourself, what am I doing for my brothers and my sisters who are all around me? What am I doing for the least of these? That's what we ought to be asking. Bow your heads for just a moment, Father, it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we come before you. Father, we say thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity to hear what you have to say to us. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that every person who has heard this word, that it has pricked their heart. It has caused them, oh God, to really discern what exactly they are doing. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to become the hands and feet (laughs) in this community. Help us, oh God, to go out beyond these doors and begin to serve like you have called us to do. Lord, I love you so much. Oh, God, we love you. Oh, we love you. We love you, oh, God. I pray for that individual who's heard this word and it has caused a change in their heart. God, if somebody has decided that you know what? I'm tired of going my own way. I want to follow Jesus. God, touch them right now. Tell them that this is the opportunity for them to do just that. Touch them right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, help us to begin to do something about what's going on all around us. I want you to repeat after me. Father, 
in the name of Jesus. I confess that I haven't always done right. I want to do right now. I'm changing my mind. I want to come after you. Teach me, God, how to serve others. Teach me, God, how to serve others. Touch me, God. Touch my brothers. Touch my sisters. Help us to be servants. God, we're no longer serving other people, serving ourselves, but we're serving others. God, we love you. We thank you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, put those glad hands together. Hallelujah. If you are watching us, if you're watching us right now, and this sermon has pricked your heart, why don't you put something in the chat? Let us know that you've been touched today. If you have decided to get on the side of Jesus, you've accepted him as first in your life, then put in the chat that you've accepted the Lord. Say that one of our digital ministers will get back with you. They will contact you. Put connect in the chat if you want to become a disciple here at St. Paul. Listen, if you are even here in person, if you have decided to make a change in your heart, I want to give you the opportunity at this moment. If you are here and you want Jesus to be first in your life, why don't you raise your hand? You don't have to come down here. We're in a new reality. If you want, just raise your hand right now. If you are here and you want to become a disciple here at St. Paul, raise your hand here as well. I see the deacons and everybody looking all around. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you've been blessed today, why don't you put your glad hands together? Come on, put your glad hands together. about this moment I, I love the communion moment because this is where we get to share in what our Lord did for us I want us to remember exactly what happened on that day that was the day that Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died on the cross for your sins and for my sins I don't know about you but I'm grateful I'm thankful for what he did I want us to pray over these elements Get those elements in your hands. Lift them up to God. Let's pray. Father, it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Thank you for this time of communion. 
thank you for this bread and thank you for this wine. We pray, oh God, in the name of Jesus, that you would allow these elements to remind us of what Jesus Christ did for, for us that terrible day 2,000 years ago. God, help us to remember him hanging on the cross, not coming down. He decided that he was going to give his life so we wouldn't have to give ours. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless every element in this room. Transform it. Transform this moment into the moment that you have called for us to serve others and be the people you've called us to be. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. today have you been blessed oh come on has anybody been blessed in here we pray that the word has helped somebody and that you are better because of it now let's look to the Lord for dismissal now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding great joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory majesty power and dominion both now and and forevermore. Amen. 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 Please remain seated. Um, the deacons will be coming by. No. Okay, there are trash cans at the door. So take your elements and put in the trash cans at the door. Amen. Amen. And the ushers will be coming to um, row by row. They will come and dismiss you. Amen. To God we give the glory.